Welcome to Professors at Work, a weekly program from the American University of Beirut, where we talk with a professor about his or her research, why it matters, what they've found, and how it's going to make our world a better place to live in. I'm your host, Rami Khouri, from the Media Studies Program at AUB, and we're happy to have you with us. Our guest today is Professor Isam Sroor, Associate Professor in the Maroon Saman Engineering and Architecture Faculty, who has been at AUB for over a decade doing uh, innovative and fascinating work, which he'll tell us about. Welcome, Professor Sroor. Thank you, Rami. Let's start by asking you, uh, what, it is, what is it exactly that you're researching these days? At AUB, my research focuses on sustainable management of construction and demolition waste. Uh, we look at various facets of managing waste that come out of construction sites and demolition sites. So we look into estimation processes, characterizing the waste that comes out, classifying the waste, and looking for ways to handle it and manage it in an environmentally friendly manner. And when you say waste, you're talking about anything that comes out of construction project, or as we had recently, explosions in Beirut or war in many countries, destroyed houses and structures. Absolutely. So we distinguish between what we call emergency waste and non-emergency waste. Emergency waste is waste that comes out of buildings and built facilities as a result of wars, uh, man-made and non-man-made disasters. So that's emergency waste. We also work on non-emergency waste. So waste that comes out of construction sites during normal construction processes or demolition when a building is demolished. And what uh, brought you to this study? Uh, yeah, it's a fascinating question. It's actually a, a little funny story. Before coming to AUB in 2008, I never did any research in that field. My work focused mainly on uh, traditional project management, construction management issues like labor and productivity and, and uh, construction processes. When I came back to Lebanon in 2008, I was driving uh, by the airport and noticed two big piles of rubble. And I started asking a set of questions to my father who was sitting next to me at the time. And I was like, what, what are these piles of rubble? Where did they come from? What, why are they here? What's the plan with them? And I got to learn that these were basically the remains of more than 200 buildings that were demolished as a result of the 2006 war with Israel. Uh, so I started to ask all kinds of questions about how much is this waste in terms of quantity, what is it like to recycle this material, how can we recycle it, what about the economics of it. And honestly, this was a turning point for my research. So I started a new research stream at AUB focusing on waste, and here I am 12 years later asking even more questions about this problem. And there's an awful lot of more waste and damage destroyed material because Absolutely. of uh, the various problems we've had in Lebanon culminating recently in the explosion. Absolutely. Absolutely. The waste never stops in Lebanon. Um, whether it's normal construction procedures, like I said, there's always construction in the country, but also we have all kinds of man-made disasters and non-man-made disasters, uh, wars, uh, the recent explosion, unfortunate tragic events at the port. These are all sources of, of work for us in my research group. So what do you actually study? You study how do you take this waste, sort it into different things and recycle it? What do you yeah. do with it? Yeah, so we, we study different aspects, starting uh, from estimating how much waste uh, comes out from normal construction operations, and then uh, understanding how, what is the composition of that waste. So when we say waste that comes from a building, this could be dozens of types of material. We may have what we call rubble, which could be also broken down into concrete, tiles, 
um, what we call masonry units and, and other aspects. And then you have non-rubble metal like aluminum and steel. And then you have industrialized materials like gypsum board. So you have all kinds of materials. And each of those materials entails different processes for handling it. And then, uh, of course, a certain supply chain for recycling and economic factors, plus policy factors, obviously, for recycling. So we look into understanding how much comes out in terms of waste, what are its characteristics. And if we are to recycle this material, what is the best way? How can we make it happen? Is the recycling process pretty standard now, or are you also investigating new ways of recycling? For some of the materials, it is fairly standard. I'll give you an example. And for others, it's still in its infancy. One example, an extreme case, is steel and even aluminum. To give you an example, uh, whether it's an explosion or normal construction processes, folks involved in the demolition or collecting waste will do their best to collect every single kilogram or gram of steel or aluminum. Why? Because there's a very clear process and supply chain and the economics work, work towards recycling. So they collect all those materials. They throw in dozens of labor workers to collect that material. They carefully demolish the building to collect as much as possible steel. And then what they do is they collect it, they gather it somewhere, clean it up a little bit, crush it for what we call volume reduction, and then send it to the port of Saida usually, where it gets shipped to Turkey and Egypt, where they have recycling facilities. Now a question could be why in Turkey and in, in, uh, Egypt, as opposed to Lebanon, they have much bigger industries there for recycling metals. This is a heavy process and uh, energy is cheaper and more reliable in those countries. So that's an example of a very well established standard process for recycling some of the waste. Other waste are not. Other waste are not recycled. The vast majority of waste that comes out of construction in Lebanon, unfortunately, does not get recycled. What happens to it? It gets thrown in empty valleys, quarries, blocking riverbeds, uh, seasides, and, and so on. Is there an ethical or legal question about actually who owns this waste? So can you or your students or can I just go to a destroyed housing area and scoop up all this stuff in a truck and take it and recycle it and make money out of it? Or are you ethically required to say, look, this becomes this belongs to this house and you have to work with them. How do you deal with those issues of actual ownership? Yeah, so it's a problem of twofold. It's ethical and legal. Uh, legally, the, the material itself is owned by the owner of the facility. So if it's a house, it's clear it's the owner of that house. Now what happens is they relinquish this ownership by bringing in a contractor to collect the waste and they pass it on to them and they'll deal with it. Sorry, and then the contractor is obligated to recycle it and then give some of the profit back to the owner, or not necessarily? Unfortunately, it's a very loose arrangement in, in these cases. Uh, what happens is the contractor, part of their contract or part of their quote, what, what they give to the owner when they come in to collect the waste, they factor into, they take into account that they will recoup some of their costs, primarily in the steel, again, steel and aluminum, because there's a market for those. Everything else is pretty much a burden on the contractor because they have to get rid of it. Now, unfortunately, we don't have landfill capacity for construction waste. Our landfills are very limited and they mainly um, handle the uh, municipal solid uh, municipal waste that comes out of our homes. They don't really take construction waste. So it is kind of a burden on the contractor to truck this material into a valley or somewhere to dump them. The, their main cost is really transportation. So legally, yes, it is the owner of the facility who owns the material. 
but they pretty much immediately relinquish this ownership by bringing in a contractor to take that material. And the work that you're doing, the research work with your students and your colleagues, uh, what are you actually focusing on? New ways of recycling or ways to collect it? Or what are you trying to do? And what have you discovered from your most recent research? Absolutely. So we, we worked on the general umbrella or the ultimate goal is to uh, boost recycling in the country. Why is that? Because there's tremendous benefits. One, you reduce the pressure on the landfills or on the dump sites, let's call them. They're not really landfills. And two, you save on, on Lebanon's natural resources. By reusing a lot of this material, you need to quarry less. So really the benefits are multiple fold, multiple benefits. So we look into the barriers for recycling. And those barriers are multiple. There is, from a technical perspective, what can be recycled. Um, and then there's economics and uh, supply chain. So from a technical perspective, we look at the bulk of the waste, which is the rubble, concrete, and tiles, and masonry blocks, what you see as partitioning in buildings. If we look at a building, let's say 60 to 80% of the material that comes out when we demolish that building is what we call cementitious material, concrete, uh, tiles, masonry. These things, they're bulky, they're heavy. Uh, so we look into, if we are to recycle this material, what can we do with it in an efficient manner? Uh, ideally, we try to sort it as much as possible at the source. Why? Because then I could use the concrete, I could crush it, and then use some of its ingredients into new concrete material. So we, we try to look at um, in our labs in engineering, how much what we call replacement can we do in, in terms of recycled materials? So if I'm making a new batch mix of concrete, how much percentage of recycled material can I put in it? 20%, 40%, 60%? different uh, reasons for why you would want to put 20, 40, or 60. So we look at the performance. We try to see, will this new material that we're creating with recycled content, will it perform as well as other materials? Yes or no? What do we gain? What do we lose from a performance technical perspective in addition to the environmental and, and economic uh, perspective? So that's a big facet of what we do, what, what I call the technical feasibility of recycling. We also work a lot on the supply chain and logistics aspect so in a country where you don't have policies, where you don't really have landfills or recycling facilities, how do you make it happen? How do you deal with the various waste that comes in the country, in different parts of the country? And how many sites do you need for collecting, storing, cleaning, and recycling? What size, where, and why, and what? The interface at this work becomes more with transportation and geographic information and things like that. So we look both at economic and uh, technical feasibility of recycling. So on the technical side, have you discovered anything new in this field that you've contributed to the world's knowledge about recycling uh, construction wastes? That's a good question. Why? I mean, we're not the first people to be working on this problem. There's a lot of people working on recycling uh, material that comes out of construction sites. The uh, challenge is you have different construction processes around the world. For example, I'll give you an example. In North America, a lot of the construction, especially for homes, is with wood, uh, not so much with, with concrete. You'll see concrete mainly in, in uh, central business districts and, and places like that. 
Here in, our, in, in Lebanon, we use different methodologies. You'll see concrete as a prevalent material. We also have the, the ingredients that we use in our work in making new concrete depends on a lot of geographic and geological characteristics. So materials in Lebanon is different from materials that may come out of Turkey or North America. So when, when you say in a construction code in North America that says you could recycle up to 40% of your material in new concrete application, that's because they have materials of certain characteristics which we may not have. Our ingredients have different characteristics. So we're, we're trying to come up with guidelines, with ultimately with guidelines and codes that will be adopted for recycling. That's why we're doing all these testing in the context of Lebanon and the region. And if you're talking about uh, codes and guidelines, you're getting into the um, issue of public policy making. And public policy making in Lebanon is a very <laughs> disputed field. It uh, hasn't had award-winning performances in some areas. Other areas, it's done better. Uh, but uh, how do you in, how do you assess? the process of you and others trying to convince, say, the government or the Engineers Association or the Contractors Association, whoever you have to deal with, to convince them that this is what they should make a, as a rule to reuse all this stuff that we have. That's my next challenge, and that's really not my forte. I'm an engineer in training. I work a lot on, on uh, economics, mathematical modeling, and technical aspects of recycling, but I've come to a point with my research that really we need to uh, close that loop, and we need to make sure uh, that what we are getting in terms of results gets translated into the field. So we're starting conversations with uh, different stakeholders in the country. We have to have the, the ears of powerful entities, not only in the government, but also in, in the private sector. Companies like Dar al-Handasa, Khatib Alami, and so on, they could be powerful in, in encouraging and proving and encouraging the government to set up policies that will encourage recycling. The big fear, the biggest fear that I've heard from practitioners in Lebanon is if we open the door for recycling materials, it will not be controlled. We don't know, we cannot control what people uh, build in the field. If you come and say, recycle and use up to 20 or 40% of materials, how can I control that they'll use 40%, not 100% recycled? And how can I control the performance and the quality? We're trying to find answers to these questions to alleviate these concerns. And not only crafting policies that will look good on paper, we want to make sure that whatever policies we craft are really implementable. And I think for, for this to happen, we, we cannot forget about the economic aspect. So it is, for me, the, the real barriers for making change in that field in the country here will have to address both the policy and the economical aspects. The, the fact that dumping waste is free in the country is a big barrier for us. And you'd think that the economic side would have an impact if you tell people, look, there's money to be made in this exactly. from reusing this recycled material exactly. is profitable, that'll probably open a lot of people's eyes. Exactly. And, and that's exactly why they're recycling steel and aluminum, because there's a clear economic benefit associated with that. Um, with rubble, we, we cannot ship it somewhere else. It's very heavy and it doesn't make any sense. So it really got to be recycled here in, in the country, which is great. So we, we just need to make it a little bit clearer what the economic gains are and then uh, maybe have some kind of entrepreneur or someone who would adopt and showcase that technically it's not that hard to be done and the economics hold. And yes, we can control the quality. If, if that is the main concern, there are ways to control the quality 
in terms of uh, the materials and how much recycling, recycled material is included. Now, this is fascinating because it comes up in so many fields uh, of uh, academic research where people do innovative, important, fascinating new work, and then they realize that at some point they've got to get this into the law, uh, legal code, or into the um, exactly. systems of the government and yeah. public policymaking and uh, uh, alert consumers. Uh, so yeah. the next stage of taking your research out of the university, out of your lab, and into the field is probably the most challenging one, I'd imagine. Absolutely, and this is what we're not trained to do. A lot of us, um, faculty members, engineers, technical folks, we don't really <laughs> work at that level. We focus on our uh, field of vision is limited to the technical aspects. We're not really trained. So it is uh, on my to-do list and I think on, on everyone's to-do list to kind of sharpen our, our uh, tools and assessment and maybe team up with folks who understand a little bit more the policy and, and how we uh, break those barriers and make market entry. It also raises the idea that there are people at AUB who are working on this deliberately in public health and medicine and uh, Sam Faris Institute and social activism, um, smoking, anti-smoking. There's all kinds of people working, trying to convince the public uh, policymaking officials uh, and consumers how to do things well. And maybe there's a potential here to coordinate among AUB professors so that they can all learn from this. I fully agree, absolutely. We have only two minutes left. Uh, let me ask you, what's next? What are you going to follow this up with now? Yeah, so uh, next would be, uh, I would say, further enhancing our understanding of, of uh, construction demolition waste, whether it's estimation techniques, uh, building smart forecasting models, using advanced digitization, characterization of urban spaces. So try to leverage advanced uh, technologies to, to enhance our assessments and estimation of waste, crafting policies and recommendations, um, teaming up with, with folks on the uh, public policy uh, side and, and try to uh, have change in the field, not only in at AUB and in academia and publications and so on. I would like to see the results of my work being implemented and making a positive change in Lebanon. And in the meantime, the incredible uh, urgency of rebuilding in Beirut because of the explosion, uh, has this opened new uh, avenues and opportunities for Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Um, uh, I'll give you an example, uh, glass. I never did much work on, on glass. I focused on rubble because it's the bulkiest, it's the biggest, steel because there's an economic supply chain. Now with the blast, there's a tons and tons of glass yes. uh, that was removed. I do understand that a lot of it is being collected and is being uh, sent to some um, recycling facilities, but I would be also fascinated and interested in using some of the glass for new construction as well. So it will open new doors, uh, hopefully for us. Well, amazing work. Thank you very much for being with us, Professor Isam Sroor of the Engineering and Architecture Faculty at AUB. Thank you very much, Rami. Keep up your good work, and we'll find out more what you do in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you for being with us at Professors at Work, the weekly program from American University of Beirut, where professors talk about their research and what they found and why it matters to making our world a better place. Thanks for being with us again. Rami Khoury, your host. Join us next week. Bye for now. Thank you.